Welcome to the H&E Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through discussions on church history, biblical spirituality, the Bible, Christian living, and theology. Shall we get started? Glorifying God Through Arts and Culture The Preface to All Things New Essays on Christianity, Culture, and the Arts By Jeremy W. Johnston Read by the author Epigraph Augustine on Christian Doctrine Let every good and true Christian understand that wherever truth may be found, it belongs to his Master. Epigraph, John Calvin, Institutes of the Christian Religion Shall we deem anything to be noble and praiseworthy, without tracing it to the hand of God? Far from us to be such ingratitude, an ingratitude not chargeable even on heathen poets, who acknowledge that philosophy and laws and all useful arts were the invention of the gods. Why publish a collection of essays on Christianity, culture, and the arts? The Apostle Paul exhorts us to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Philippians 4, 8. The world of the arts and culture can be lovely and commendable. But is this what Paul meant? Is it a waste of time to think about the arts and culture of this world? Shouldn't we be thinking about the world to come, good doctrine, or advancing the gospel of Christ? Paul says, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Philippians 4.8 Is there any excellence beyond the church walls that is worth thinking about? Can truth be found in art and culture produced outside Christian communities? The answer to both these questions is yes. All things under the Lordship of Christ. In On Christian Doctrine, Augustine writes that wherever truth may be found, it belongs to the Master. All truth is God's truth. The Apostle Paul illustrates the point by hearkening Athenians to see glimmers of the truth even in their own altar to the unknown God on Mars Hill. Paul knew that the Athenian unbelievers had, in their heart of hearts, an awareness of the supreme living God. So he used this truth hidden among their altars and poets to reveal the truth of God to them. Christians have a tendency to divide secular and sacred concerns. In truth, Everything belongs to the Lord. All that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours, writes the author of Chronicles. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. All aspects of creation, all that is in the heavens and the earth, belong to God. The 20th century apologist Francis Schaeffer frequently points out that true spirituality covers all of reality. For him, the supremacy of Christ's lordship was no less significant in the world of the arts and culture. He emphasizes the point in his book, Art and the Bible. He says, if Christianity is really true, then it involves the whole man, including his intellect and his creativeness. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ transforms our actions, our hearts, and our desires. However, the gospel transforms our intellectual and creative faculties as well. Schaefer goes on to say, Christianity is not just dogmatically true or doctrinally true. Rather, it is true to what is there, true in the whole area of the whole man in all of life. This doesn't mean that all art and all culture are good or worthy of our time. Biblical discretion and spirit-led discernment are still needed. As Christians, however, we can confidently approach the art and culture of our world because it is under the dominion of Christ. We can appreciate the truth, goodness, and beauty that can be found and benefit from it for God's glory and our enjoyment. In his excellent book on the literary achievements of the classical Greco-Roman world, Peter J. Lightheart compares Christians gleaning truth and beauty from pagan sources to the Israelites plundering Egypt's gold during the Exodus. He writes, It is fully within the rights of Christians, to whom, in Christ, belong all things, to plunder these stories and make what use of them we can. Because some treasures of Athens, purged with fire, may, like the gold of Egypt, finally adorn Jerusalem. Like the plundered gold from Egypt, Christians are able to gain wisdom and enjoy much beauty when taking in and engaging with the creative and cultural achievements of humanity. We already do this in other areas of life, such as our appreciation and use of fine clothing, attractive houses, innovative technology, and good food. Very few people insist on only wearing the clothes made by Christians or only eating food prepared by members of the church. Good stories, like good dinners, can be enjoyed regardless of who made them. Fine artwork, like a well-tailored suit or dress, can bring us much joy and delight, whether made by a believer or unbeliever alike. Our delight in the creative faculties of human beings ultimately brings glory to the one who made humanity in his image. God is a creative being who endowed men and women, his image bearers, with an ability and desire to create beauty and culture. A challenge to the idea that Christians should enjoy arts and culture may be that so much of it, both inside and outside the church, is terrible. Nowhere is this more evident than in recent decades, especially within the Western world of arts and culture, where there have been few excellent things to think on or to appreciate. As Christians living in the 21st century, we are feeling the all-encompassing effect of the last 100 years of bizarre cultural achievements lacking truth, beauty, and goodness, which is born out of the prevailing worldviews of despairing modernism, disillusioned postmodernism, and discordant post-postmodernism. Art galleries feel like distant places containing works of art that seem to have no relation to the things that really matter in life. Good stories have either been supplanted by pessimistic tales and shallow escapism, or they've been spirited away by the morticians of academia to be dissected rather than digested. The beautiful legacy of orchestral and choral music is appreciated by shrinking audiences made up of aging listeners and a handful of music aficionados. Culture itself 
has been expropriated by consumer and corporate interests to be repackaged and rebranded for quick sales and easy profit. Film, television, and pornography have taken us back to gladiatorial-like arenas, where degrading shock and dehumanizing horror encompass the paltry and unsatisfying range of amusement and entertainment. Devoid of truth, beauty, and goodness, and with so little to appreciate, celebrate, or enjoy, shouldn't Christians just avoid the whole realm of arts and culture which seems so useless and so corrupt? Jean Edward Veith Jr. writes, That the arts can be corrupt does not mean that Christians should abandon them. On the contrary, the corruption of the arts means that Christians dare not abandon them any longer. Art, like all things human, need to be redeemed. Christians are called to be salt and light. There is work to be done in redeeming all aspects of this world, social, religious, political, economic, scientific, medical, educational, so also the area of arts and culture. This doesn't mean that we are called to create a Christian kingdom or political state this side of glory. It does mean, however, that Christians, wherever God has placed them, are to glorify God by bringing to bear biblical truth, God-fearing wisdom, and Christian mercy, grace, and love. This is because the gospel of Jesus Christ is more than a call to the unsaved to be saved. The gospel is about total lives being totally transformed. The gospel calls us to show how faith redeems not only our spiritual lives, but all aspects of our entire being how we think, what we enjoy, why we create, what we believe, where we live, and what we do. Edith Schaefer, the co-founder of Labrie, writes, The whole person is involved in being a Christian. The whole life is involved in living in contact with God. Not just parts of our lives, but all of our lives. And this includes the arts and culture that surround us. Being culture redeemers is not the only call of Christians. We are also called as human beings to be makers of culture. Timothy Keller argues that God's commission to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and to Christians today is a call to be creators of culture. God placed the first human beings in a garden, not a wilderness. A garden is something that requires design, hard work, and care. That is, cultivation. Culture, like a garden, requires cultivators. We were made to be makers. We were called to be creators. Keller writes about the undeveloped potential of God's creation. The pattern of all work is creative and assertive. It is arranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general, and people in particular, to thrive and flourish. God's commission to Adam and Eve to fill the earth means both building families and building civilizations. Humanity is still called to both procreation and culture creation. This involves a range of things that Christians can and must have a hand in developing, from political structures and works of civil engineering to arts, literature, and music. Christians, alongside all human beings, need to be appreciators of art and culture. But Christians also need to be culture makers and culture redeemers, filling the earth with new created things for the glory of the supreme creator. Soli Deo 
Gloria.